thank you for joining us. I'm Weird Al Yankovic. I'm Dakota Rimmer. I'm Garrett Hale, and this is the first and best podcast on the life and music of Weird Al. It's a celebration of one of the greatest creative minds of all time, but it's also comedic, inquisitive, and obsessive all at once. Oh, it is. So strap in and allow me to give you an inside peek into the minds of people who, let's face it, are better than you. Whoa, whoa, Al, no, we, we love our audience. Yeah, Al, I mean, come on. That's not exactly the kind of show we had in mind. Well, okay, fine, but don't blame me if you wind up looking like an idiot. Well, it's probably too late for that. This is my new mop. George, my friend, he gave me this mop. This is a pretty good mop. It's not as good as my first mop. I missed my first mop, but this is still a good mop. Sometimes you just gotta, you gotta take what life gives you, because life is like a mop, and sometimes life gets full of dirt and crud bugs and hairballs and stuff you, you got to clean it out you got to put it in here you got to rinse it off you got to start all over again sometimes life sticks to the floor so bad you know a, a mop is not good enough it's not good enough welcome to me talking weird out to you <laughs> a little cheer there i never got a cheer for my intro uh the only podcast that wants to talk to everyone in the world about weird al yankovic my name is dakota rimmer I'm going to talk quietly now because I talked really loud for a minute straight just now. I'm the host of this show, and I'm joined, after what seems like some time, by my co-host, Mr. Garrett Hale. Dakota! That impression was stupid! <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that, that impression, on the other hand, was very good. <laughs> I appreciate Hello, that. Hello, everybody. This is Garrett Hale. Garrett. Yes, sir. Are you stoked to talk about UHF, the film? Dakota, I've lost so much sleep mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I, in <laughs> anticipation for this episode. We, we've we been hyping it for a long time, right? Oh, yeah. For a very long time. And I don't, I don't think that the hype would be fully justified. Like, it, it's slightly justified by the simple fact that we're finally doing it and that we're it's, here. This is the day. It's really amazing uh-huh. that this podcast is as old as it is. Yeah. Uh, and we have not done an episode dedicated to the movie That's that right. Al is the lead character in. That's right. And to give this movie its, its, its due day, its day in court, its full exposure, and to justify yeah. this episode we've been building up, we've brought in a guest. I'm building it up like nobody knows who it is. It's our good friend, Ken Edwards. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Baba, fall down, go boom. (laughs) We all got a quote in there. That's good. I don't know. After that, Shane, after that Shane Gillis stuff recently, maybe maybe uh, maybe you guys don't want to get canceled from saying something on a podcast, oh. especially an Asian play, an Asian thing. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Garrett. I was all for it, but I, I don't know. The world seems a little tense these days, and 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 uh, I don't I don't want you to do something stupid. So stupid. Oh, you already got into like one of the things. Like I was like, "Is this gonna come up?" And it immediately came up. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah, it was gonna come up eventually, but let's yeah. just have fun with it. I think the well, we're white men; we're allowed to. Yeah, yeah, of exactly. course, we're not gonna get in any trouble. <laughs> hey, we not, might do better not, after not, this. 
Not like the kind of trouble some of the actors in this film have gotten into. Uh oh. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I've already kicked myself off. Like I have not talked. I've only been offensive. Hello, audience. I was so nice the last few times, and now I'm, I'm here to offend you. Apparently, I didn't mean to, but here we are. I don't think you've offended anybody. Um, Ken, at the end of this, don't let me forget to do plugs about your band stuff. Okay. okay. I, I would not. That's let just you. that's a hint. That's a, a reminder for you and a reminder to the listener to listen to the end to learn about Ken's band. Um, so this episode's a little bit. It's going to be different because um, what we do on this podcast, if this is your first time listening, um, what a weird, what a weird jumping in point. <laughs> on point. Um, but maybe you came from a movie podcast and you're like, I like to listen to movie podcasts and all they've talked about is music. And now finally, this is your, your gateway into our, our show. If it is, um, we talk about the albums and we break them down and then every once in a while we'll do a a mini episode or an interview episode. And those have their structure. Like the album episodes, we can do a song by song thing. We talk about the release and the reception of such and all that stuff. But this, a movie's a little differently. I'm, and honestly, I, I do have notes, but uh, for reasons that I'll explain in a minute, I'm not entirely sure about the flow of this episode. Like, I don't have a set structure. I don't have a thing. It's not like we're going to go, you know, DVD chapter by DVD chapter and break this film down. Oh, I, huh? Oh, I've turned out the script. We're going scene by scene. There we go. We're doing the I'm whole... read it loud and you guys can react. All right, hand out, hand out lines. Who am I? Oh, I don't really. <laughs> Come on, it was improv, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> just say a name <laughs> oh oh say, say a line uh 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 wow gee willis thanks mister <laughs> um so uh so yeah if uh the three of us are smart enough and we're big enough weird al fans and we've all seen the movie before at least once uh that's a bit of an, a, a mega understatement um so it's it should still be fine. We're going to give it really good coverage, but uh, it's gonna. I think it's going to be fast and loose and really fun. Um, I do want to say one other thing though. I'm currently recording from a mobile setup, so that 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 means two things. A, I don't know how the final quality of this episode is going to turn out. It'll be there and it'll be listenable. I could be interrupted by uh, the guy I'm sharing a room with because um, I'm in a hotel in Birmingham, Alabama, and he stepped out to go get some groceries. And B, I have had very little prep time. I didn't get to watch the movie uh, all the way through until, or the last time I did was weeks ago when we were still talking about doing this. And I'd love to have watched it today, literally today before we recorded, (laughs) so I could take more uh, extensive notes. And so I'm really going to rely on my my co-hosts here to to help me carry on through some of these things. But I do have some things, some talking points I want to get to. Um, but yeah, I'm in Birmingham, Alabama. And we would have you in no other place, Dakota. Hey, more like Alabama, right? That's good. Yeah. I just came more up like with yeah. weird Alabama. Oh, whoa. That's better than mine. Hey. Just write that down. I'm going to use that tomorrow. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see if anybody here if, gets that. If you, if you ever get if you get a good slam on anyone there, it would be a real burning ham. <laughs> like like Principal Skinner, exactly like Principal Skinner. I hope I hope when uh, so you your, when I did not uh, when uh, I hope when <laughs> your you, 
the guy you're rooming with asked if you wanted anything, you only said Twinkies, Wieners, and Cheese Whiz. <laughs> oh, man. No, he's getting me some noodles, actually. <laughs> so, oh, very good. Really... Very good. Very good. Yeah. Uh, he actually was just kind of looking for a way to get out of the room so I could record. It was very nice of him. <laughs> and I, I'm recording this on a McIntyre. Macintosh. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, I didn't get that. Noodles McIntyre, Macintosh. No, I got it. I was just icing you. Oh, that was a good burning ham. <laughs> you got burning hammed. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Let's talk about this movie. Uh, okay, so. Yeah. Well, I will propose. Let's go ahead and just give a quick synopsis of the film, uh-huh. and then we'll start breaking down the points. Okay, that sounds pretty good. So, the year's 1989, and Weird Al... The year mm-hmm. the year that uh, one of the hosts on this show was born. It's not me. Or me. Uh-oh. It was me. At least one. It's, it's our little boy, Garrett. Hey, Garrett, yep. what month would that have been? It was November. Ooh, that's soon. It is ish. What year did what month did this movie come out? I'm gonna guess this was a summer release. Do we have? Yeah, it was, yeah. A, summer, it was a summer release against like Batman and Honey I Shrunk the Kids and a bunch of huge blockbusters. So mm-hmm. unfortunately, Garrett, you, if if it was in November, you probably missed the week long run that it was in every theater that your parents might have been able to go to. <laughs> Pretty sure I was born in a theater. Uh oh. But going, uh, going into how I've lived my life, it kind of just makes a lot of sense. Wait, I mean, technically, with those curtains, aren't we all born in a theater? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> and then there was light. And we left the theater. <laughs> oh, my God. It's the worst visual I've ever had. It's terrible. Anyway, that's yeah. a good point. Right before we get into breaking down this movie, it did release at a very terrible time for this movie to come out when it was being built up as a movie that was going to save a production studio. <laughs> Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> like it, it, yeah, it was supposed to. It was supposed to really be a, um, a, a kind of a, a savior film for Orion. But when it came out against, uh, yeah, Indiana Jones, Last Crusade, Ghostbusters Two, Honey I Shrunk the Kids, Lethal Weapon Two, Batman, When Harry Met Sally, and Weekend at Bernie's, like the films like that, um, you uh, you're gonna have a bad day. Wait, it released against Indiana Jones. Not not directly against it, but like around that time period. Yeah. Was it still Bat- in theaters at that point? I want to say it was. Because okay. I know Batman still was coming off of its release. Question for you guys. Mm-hmm. Have you watched any of those movies in your enti- in the run of your entire lifetime more than you've watched UHF? Maybe Batman, honestly. I don't, I don't think so. I'm trying to think if I've seen... I mean, I know I've seen all of them, but I'm trying to think if I've seen any of them more than once. Definitely none of those other ones, though. Uh, apart from last, my... Last Crusade, would, last Crusade would be the only one that comes close for me, but UHS still definitely wins. Mm-hmm. See, the difference is a lot of those other movies, you have to be down for the whole long haul, right? I mean, the nice thing about UHF is it's it's a trim 90 minutes. You, can, you still have a day with that film. True. And... I'm not a, I'm not down for a romance very often with when Harry met Sally, mm-hmm. and I don't think Weekend at Bernie's holds up nowadays. 
other than my our nightly uh, viewing of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, I don't think I've... <laughs> <laughs> well, well, to be honest, with all the vilifying of the Nazis and Indiana Jones and uh, The Last Crusade, probably, uh, probably doesn't hold up in modern times either. That's uh, something that oh. this... Yeah, that's something this movie I'm, shares in, shares with uh, UHF is Nazi representation. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm from Charlottesville. I'm allowed to say that stuff. Okay, everyone, relax. Oh, okay, sorry. Whoops. <laughs> Anyways, so this movie, yeah, it came out against a bunch of heavy hitters. Hence, the it was a five million dollar budget, and it only made six million dollars. I think when oh. in that year or something like that. So it didn't turn around very. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't super prolific, and that was sort of the beginning of Al's slump after, um, in 3D. Yeah, he had a really rough time with this movie and Polka Party until Off the Deep End came out. Yeah, and we've kind of teased about how uh, Polka Party or um, uh, Off the Deep End is like was a real like beginning to like a huge time in Al's life that it's still kind of he's kind of maintaining today but um it, it it makes you wonder how hard it hit him that uh after he's like it, it when it seems the albums were kind of leveling out he was taking this next venture something that we teased in previous episodes uh his whole kind of life was building up towards because I have notes on a few things that he carried over from uh older bits and, and jokes from like his early, like his teenage times when <laughs> teenage times, uh, that were represented in the movie. So it's like this, his kind of his whole life was building up to this film and it must've been a, like a real like slap in the face for it to not do very well. Yeah. I, I would hate to have the, to have to experience the like crippling depression that comes from having made a, like genius comedy with a five million dollar budget and a six year expensive touring career and having an amazing band and hit singles and winning in Grammys and VMAs. That sounds terrible. I don't know how I got through it to be honest. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> um, well, when you put it that way, yeah. The the lead character is um, George Newman. He's a guy who doesn't have it all together. He's been going from job to job can't hold one steady he's got a girlfriend he's got a best friend named bob who jaw pops with him and he just gets uh he daydreams a lot he gets fired from his latest job as a fry cook uh with bob because he insults the manager right next to him who's not paying attention or he doesn't notice is right next to him as he insults him insults her and then he has a family member who comes into the deed of a uh uhf TV station. That's and right. So his, uh, the the wife convinces her husband to just give it to George to take care of, and so George takes over and has a bunch of wacky ideas for TV shows, but it doesn't really take off until the janitor who George has hired from another television, the the top television uh, station in town, who's just been fired. He hires the janitor and has just. On a last-ditch effort to get the TV station off its feet, he just tosses that janitor out there to do whatever he feels like, and he ends up being a sensation. Mm-hmm. Turns the station around, become the station starts putting out all kinds of wacky television programs, and the janitor 
almost single-handedly becomes the backbone of the station's programming. Shenanigans develop with that rival television station who want, who is losing viewership, and so they decide they want to take George's UHF station down. So and there's a circumstance where the person who came into possession of the radio uh, the TV station has to pay up now because his betting horses didn't follow through in the race his his, so now uh, he, his uncle which we should point out is named Harvey yes uncle Harvey a very yes. common name for weird al in weird al lore <laughs> there are a lot of common names in this movie that he likes to use bob is in this movie mm-hmm. harvey um i don't think we get a bernie Larry's not in this, maybe. Anyway, so Uncle Harvey uh, gets into trouble with the person that he owes $75,000 to. So the rival TV station comes and offers that money to Uncle Harvey to buy the station. Mm -hmm. Well, Uncle Harvey tells George, you've got, was it 48 hours to come up with $75,000 and you can have the station. So... George comes up with the idea of throwing a telethon and through a kidnapping of the janitor and a rescue mission and a last ditch effort from a hobo who makes a ton of money off a penny, the radio station is saved at the end. It's like, it's a real hobo ex machina. (laughs) (laughs) They really, they, they set that hobo up so early in the movie. (laughs) Anyway, this there's that's a very very fast rundown of the movie, and it's intercut with a ton of parody scenes, that's a music right. video, and a lot of shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Do uh, do do either of you watch a, or have seen or or do watch a lot of um, movies that are still in this style? It's it's like comedy that completely breaks the universe that it that it dwells in. Like it's like it's rare now, isn't it? It is rare nowadays, um, but there's, I, I mean, the older ones, like stuff like Top Secret, which Al, Al has said is his favorite movie on multiple occasions, or anything about like Mel Brooks or anything like that. Do y'all watch a lot of that kind of slapstick comedy movies? Not particularly. Yeah, I, I think of Airplane as another example. Airplane, but it's yeah. funny, um, I, I had like a, you know, a good amount of time earlier today because uh, not to get into details, but I, I just had a bunch of free time with a friend hanging out, and uh, he hadn't seen UHF in a long time, so we watched that. And immediately afterwards, we were like uh, scrolling through the movies that I have on my Apple TV, and he had never seen Wayne's World, and what? so we watched that, and it was nuts. The parallels between the two, like just like a a low budget, uh, localized TV show that culminates in a climax of uh, a, a guy who's Mr. Big and a limo and uh, all the all these like time sensitive constraints leading to the success of the heroes of the movie. It was very very similar, and and they mess with the whole uh, uh, like the, the how the movie's constructed with the multiple endings and just throwing you off from things that are happening the whole time, just like UHF sort of does. So I, I don't know. It was uh, it was interesting to see that back to back. I don't know if it was direct influence, but. Uh, you definitely followed UHF. And, and um, that is a wild parallel to draw because Wayne's World didn't come out until 92, and with UHF coming out in 89, 
with you making with drawing that connection, it's really hard for me not to see where Wayne's World drew some of its inspiration from. Now that you point that out, let's talk about your friend that hasn't had never seen Wayne's World or UHF. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's much younger than us. He had seen UHF. Oh, he's five. Not in a while. He, he he had gone with me to see the Strings Attached show when it was here in Richmond. So he, he's a pretty big weird out there. That's good. We our heart goes out to him. We hope that you know he's he's really digging into that catalog, discovering things. That's a, I'll, <laughs> I, I've given him enough of a shout out. I, I I feel this is worthy. He's a he's a comedian here in Richmond. He's a great follow on Twitter. His name's Paige Campbell. You can follow him at Uncle Page. A lot of jokes, a lot of puns. You'll you'll have a good time with it. Mm. Good. There Sweet. you go, Paige. Um, to take a page out of Ken's book, though, I'd like to say that I saw parallels in this movie as well. Yeah? To your own life? To my own life, yes. To my, my failing TV station. <laughs> well, we call it a podcast these days. UHF doesn't exist. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, did, did anybody catch any of the things? I have a few of them listed here, but any things that he kind of alluded to from future jokes that he would set up in songs or to jokes that he had done in the past. Are you talking about sort of the the trope nature of his humor? Like yeah, but there's specifically weird owl tropes. Okay. I, yeah, I, there's I, a, I didn't catch any pitchforks in the brain on this viewing, so no, I'm curious what you're what you're talking about. I have a few. Um uh one of them is when they're naming it uh, I think there's a line. Actually, I know you hate this, but actually took a screenshot of this because I wanted to get it right. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, George, he's talking about their their lineup for Friday night, and he names a bunch of things. And they're Druids on Parade, the Volcano Worshippers Hour, and then Underwater Bingo for Teams and Fun with Dirt. Two of those in particular stand out because in college. Or no, what is it called? It was high school. Weird Al started the Volcano Worshippers Club because he was part of the yearbook team. He wanted that page in the yearbook. So I think it's cool oh, that like, yeah. years later, what, how, how, how much later is this? Anybody remember what year Weird Al graduated? <laughs> <laughs> it's upward, um, upwards of 10 years I'm, <laughs> later. I'm going 79, but I don't know. Probably. Uh, he would bring the Volcano Worshippers back and give it its own little shout out in the movie. I wonder if I wonder if members of that made up club saw that line in the movie and was like, "Hey, that's us." <laughs> and then uh, probably fun, a really good call. Fun with dirt. I think. Do y'all remember the fun with dirt sort of video? It was like all found footage. Yeah, I mean, it was like found an footage. educational film. Yeah. Yeah, and it was just like dirt. It's all around you, like that thing. Where did, where did that originate? Was that part of? Um, I know. I don't, I think it was, it might have been on um, the Weird Al show or Al TV, but I know he showed it before Germs and concert for the mm-hmm. for the Running With Sisters tour. Yeah, he's definitely reused it. Maybe it's the complete Al DVD. We need to figure that yeah, out. That's it, a good question. Anyway, fun with dirt. It's pretty funny. It's way over my head. <laughs> May I, uh, I, I, I I see something new in this movie every time. It's so nuts. The, not today when I saw it, but the last time I watched it, um, the Alamo Draft House in Charlottesville had a 30th anniversary movie party screening. And for those who don't know, the Alamo Draft House is like notorious, not notorious, but they have a very strict no talking policy. 
Like you get kicked out if you make any noise or turn on your phone at all, like without a refund. But they have a movie party uh, uh, thing where when they show classic movies that have like sort of like cult classic niche audiences where you're allowed to talk as much as you want um, and quote the movie along with people and they give out a lot of gifts and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but they, um, I, I took a friend who had never seen UHF and he pointed out something to me that I hadn't noticed in that scene. At the very bottom of the of the board of their planned uh, programming was a very, very uh, 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 non-Weird Al joke to me. I was very surprised to find it in Weird Al content was... Uh, Bestiality today. <laughs> That's pretty good. Has bestiality like changed that much over the years that they have to address the, the <laughs> what it's like now? Yeah, once a week we got to update you on what's been going on. <laughs> New developments today in the world of bestiality. Dogs out. <laughs> Chickens and goats in. Oh no. God. <laughs> So awful. Garrett, did you say that the dirt one was over your head? Yes, I did. You know who else had dirt over their head? Who's that? R.J. Fletcher R. J. Sr. R.J. Fletcher Sr. <laughs> <laughs> Ken, you tried. He tried to sneak in there. That line, that that's, one of, the, that's one of the best. Be- one of my questions for y'all is, what is your favorite line in this movie or favorite like joke? And so we'll get to that in a minute because I have more of this other thing. But I, I want to say something about the the part where he, so so basically he says that and he he kind of motions toward a a picture with a plaque of the founder of the station i guess rj fletcher's father uh and he says <laughs> what would he say if he were alive today and his son richard fletcher leans over to the guy next to him and says help me out of this box i can't breathe help let me out as a joke because he's in a <laughs> coffin if i have to really break it down for everybody <laughs> <laughs> anyway, some of the other things uh, that I have written that he makes reference to is uh, there's a time when he's walking. It's right after they get fired by Big Edna, uh, and they're walking back to their apartment, and he's, he tells Bob he's, he's apologizing profusely for making them lose their job again. He said, you know what, just take this crowbar and kill me with it, and Bob refuses to do so because he says, I can't kill you. You still owe me $5. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is just like the line in Why Does This Always Happen to Me, where he's initially sad about somebody dying in a car accident that he knows and then he's like wait that guy still owed me five bucks so i thought that was a pretty good one and then um the whole talk show uh what's it called is it town talk with george yeah the name of the show the whole thing where it's showing like uh, like we said earlier it shows nazis and uh an axe murderer and all that stuff that's that every bit of that scene is kind of like um uh, Jerry Springer, the song. Oh yeah, or 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 talk soup. I thought of actually. Yeah, it's true. There's a, there's a, there's a line where he literally tells the audience, "Lesbian Nazi hookers or abducted by UFOs and forced into weight loss programs." Like that sounds like it's ripped directly from one of his songs, like a lyric. Yeah. So I think it's, yeah, it's a great line. Yeah. On this viewing, it's amazing how much you notice that's a reference or just direct call out to um. Mad Mad Magazine. I mean, the main the main character's name is George Newman. <laughs> right off the right out the gate, you got Mad Magazine, and then there's a, there's there's a poster in their uh, their apartment of Alfred E. Newman on the wall, and then Uncle Nutsy's Clubhouse. I learned 
is a uh, was an article I think in recurring or recurring uh, piece in Mad Magazines. Huh. That's amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, that's, that's so cool. My buddy Paige just found um, that Mad Magazine that Al did this year um, at, at some store and, and let me borrow it. I'm stoked to dig into it. But I just uh, I just thought of another reference that I, I didn't even realize. If you pay go. close. If you pay close attention, like somewhere, like right before the middle of the movie, there's this scene where George Newman, like played by Weird Al, he mm-hmm. falls asleep watching Beverly Hillbillies, mm-hmm. and and I, it, it reminds me a lot of a song on one of his albums. That he actually, it sounds a lot like this one on the UHF soundtrack, and and that I didn't realize was was actually just like that one until today like like great cats way to make me think on this dakota i really appreciate it you make me dig in here oh my god Ken, are you mocking me is this what's happening right now are you mocking me <laughs> no i'm having fun i hope you're having fun <laughs> well uh come in full circle you know how you had mentioned what our favorite lines were <laughs> i i can't it gets me every time when the guy walks in to inform RJ of... Oh, here we go. That's a good uh, one. Of uh, UHF success or U62 success have, uh, taking away from theirs. And he's got the cowboy hat on with the tail hanging from the back <laughs> of it. And he says, take that ridiculous thing off. And he peels off the mustache and walks out. <laughs> that, that joke is so good. <laughs> Garrett, that's probably my favorite joke in the movie as well. Oh no, there's going to be a awesome. fight. Oh. Now, do you guys know? Do you guys know what also used that joke as a tribute to Weird Al and UHF? I do. Oh, I was going to bring it up next because of their whole Twitter uh, conversation about it. But you go ahead. Well, I'm not on Twitter, and I figured it out for myself. There but. you go. He's the man. <laughs> I- <laughs> when I was in theaters watching The Last Jedi, mm-hmm. and uh, what's his name? The, the Ryan Johnson. Alien. No, no, the alien thing. The, oh, the oh Snoke. Snoke, Emperor Snoke. Uh, what is? Okay. Uh, he, 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 when he said, uh, and take that ridiculous thing off to Kylo Ren, dude, on their opening night for The Last Jedi, 7 p.m. showing, and there are so many moments in that theater where everybody like erupts in applause and cheers or laughs or whatever. And I'm the only one in the theater that died laughing because I knew that Ryan Johnson was such a weird Al fan. Like he, there have been footage of him doing Yoda at karaoke, right? Mm-hmm. Ryan Johnson's writer and director of uh, the last Jedi. And, um, and I died laughing cause I was like, there's no way that is not, a direct reference to UHF. And now Al shows that in, in his clips for, for the show. Yeah, that's the awesome. live show. He actually, uh, because you're not on Twitter, I'll tell you, I think Ryan actually cut that for him because he, when he brought up, thanks to Ryan Johnson for uh, using my line or whatever like that, Ryan said, I actually 100% meant that as that. And then he shared with him a cut that he'd made where it was what you see at the live show where it's, the guy from the studio and Snoke talking to each other where they've cut the two scenes together. Amazing. Yeah, it is really good. Uh, did you guys Did you guys like when the hobo walks up at the beginning of the movie to Al and asks him for change, and then the hobo gives him a dollar? 
that's, <laughs> I literally said earlier, I said that's one of the best jokes in the movie. That's incredible. One of my also, favorite also kind of involves yeah. the hobo, and it's when this is uh, when the, the, I can't remember what's going on, but for some reason they pan across a park bench, and there's a blind guy doing a Rubik's cube. <laughs> And the hobo sitting next to him, <laughs> and he does one turn on the Rubik's cube and says, "Is that it?" He's like, "No." And so he does another turn. Is that it? <laughs> that one—that's my favorite line. That gets me every single time. <laughs> it, it's great. Um, are we entirely sure that this guy's a hobo? Well, I mean, he has money to give back. Like, he's—he might that's just be true. a coin collector for all we know, giving contest clues. We just see a guy hanging out outside and being friendly to everyone. That's a great point. I guess... Just saying, there's some food for thought in that. We're really like, uh, I think we all just kind of judged him for his outfit, for his appearance. And that's wrong of us, you know? Some of the some of the best books on the shelf are the dirtiest books. That's I think that's what we all need to take away from today. <laughs> <laughs> what we should do is uh, bring it up, because usually especially in a movie where a name, a person's name isn't ex- explicitly said or implied. I don't know what I was trying to go for there. Uh, you just have to resort to the credits. So what is he credited as in the movie? Is he credited as a hobo or as a bum or is he like Daniel? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty oh, I, sure it's hobo. I'll, I will vet that for us though. Can you? I, to violate some of our pet peeves. Yeah, look it up for us. I know. I know we don't. This is this is very atypical of us to not have the information on hand. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> yeah, Ken Ken had to get us really thinking. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you I'm, think? I, I'd be I I would be happy to be proved wrong here, though. Like I I, I just uh, that only hit me today watching it. I'm just like huh, I'm not sure. What um what do you what do either of you think about? all the people, uh, all the outcry from Weird Al fans, which seems to be a greater number of people than it ever has been in history, at least uh, as vocal as they are, which is good. There's a huge Weird Al following nowadays. Um, what do you think about everyone asking for a UHF 2? I have, after watching UHF on this, uh, this time around, I definitely see where... Al has a lot of uh, potential with this because you could pick right up with something with how the radio station's been doing this whole time and then run off and do a bunch of other jokes of, you know, how does, what happens to the radio station when it just it can't keep up with technology anymore and the way that people are watching or, you know, using the internet. Uh, and this town has just been trapped in time, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, Al has come out and had, had made comments on this, like, um, UHF is just kind of a product of its time. It's its own thing. And it's his only, um, lead role in any film. And he, he's kind of just wanted to keep it that way. And there's no real reason to do a sequel to this movie outside of fan service. Yeah. So... I mean, the fans would love it for sure. There's no reason in the... I mean, no doubt about it. I would love to watch what what sort of modern-day jokes Al could apply to this because there's a lot that really doesn't... There are some jokes... There are a lot of jokes in this movie that don't hold up 
I would, uh, yeah, I would still like to see his attempt at making UHF Part Two. I think if uh, I mean we all know Netflix's proclivities. I think if if Al were to go to Netflix and ask for it, he could make it happen. Absolutely. Um, but I think I think that I'd be more interested in something like a spiritual sequel, like where Al finds a different reason in a different setting to do sort of the same thing, just like sort of be, make fun of pop culture where we are right now. It'd be sort of a more, uh, and I imagine he'd do a more meta thing than direct charity. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I would be down for it because he's a guy I trust. Like he's mm-hmm. never really let me down. So I think he could make it work. That being said, I, I just I have much more, just like with his, uh, with the songs he puts out, I'm much more in- interested in original ideas. Did either of you watch the, recently released Rocco's Modern Life movie that was put on Netflix. I did, and I loved it. I thought it was brilliant genius. So something like that, if you kind of see where I'm going with this, is what I would imagine the UHF sequel would look like, where there's a loose plot to it, but it's more or less just a commentary on modern-day pop culture and political... um, opinions political statuses in the world because if you watch that well, uh Rocco's modern life cartoon movie there's a lot in it you're watching just like wow this is super meta yeah, yeah but, it's, it's, it's almost making fun of the idea that it knew that people would be excited to watch it yeah. yes but the inherent flaw in al doing that is that Rocco's modern life has a universe like there's a whole world built around that, and they had years and years to explore that world, and so they already had the base, like the the groundwork set for them for a, a return, good or bad. And <laughs> true, Weird Al's movie just kind of you know takes place in our world, and there's not a lot of, you know, there's not a whole there's not a whole world there to build on. True, Dakota, do you have any thoughts on the sequel? Um, I agree because every time I hear people say, initially when I heard people say hey, you should do this. And I started being like, hey, people actually care about Weird Al's stuff enough, or at least his movie, to start asking him for more of it, to say, hey, this needs a sequel. And it never dawned on me. Like, I'd never once thought, this need, this movie needs more. I need more of this story. And so my first reaction was, that's cool. Like, more Weird Al. I'm always down for more Weird Al. But then I thought about it more this a, a, a few months ago. I was like, what would you even do with it? Like, it's this, there's no... There's nothing to explore there. So I like the idea better, kind of like what Ken said, of just continuing the tradition of the movie, but not the story of the movie. Like I will Weird Al doing his on. thing. I want, come on, I want to see Fox News pundit Victoria Jackson and Michael Richards Comedy Club antics <laughs> back in action. We're in the right time for it. <laughs> That's the real reason. Yeah, you're absolutely happen. right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, uh... I'll go ahead and throw this in there. Well, I think what kind of makes UHF even more special nowadays is that there's absolutely nothing like tied to it. There are no sequels. There's nothing outside of the music that makes it like um, tied like, tangential to anything. It's it's super unique and it's of Weird Al, right? But if you add a sequel to it, it it's almost like you would get the sense that somebody was just trying to cash in on a name that mm-hmm. people are familiar with. Kind of like how 
it's been really popular nowadays to take an old property and throw a sequel on it like they did with Zoolander or Dumb and Dumber or Anchorman. Or Anchorman. Yes. Oh, we thought of the same so thing. <laughs> it's it's stuff like that where you have a comedy and it just needs to be what it is. Can we can we address the the cast a little bit? Mm-hmm. Because it's really interesting when you start breaking down each of these people. I have a question about the cast because okay, when whenever you were talking about that other thing, I was like, I want to see the bum the I wanted to answer the bum question for myself, so I, I brought it up while you were talking. Sure. And I think I've just realized something. Ken, what did you say earlier? And this is going to be really stupid because it was probably meant to be a one-off line and we move, we laugh about it and move on. And I'm the dummy who's going to bring it back up. What were you saying about Reba McIntyre earlier? <laughs> I didn't say anything about Reba McIntyre. Oh, oh, no, Noodles. You said Noodles. Okay. And that's how Noodles is introduced. He's like, I don't, Brian Drescher's like, I don't see a Noodles McIntyre. Okay. And then she hears from below, Noodles say, McIntosh. Okay, that completely went over my head. Like I had no idea. I had no idea unlike what you're talking noodles, about, and I just kind of unlike s- noodles Macintosh would. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that he's wow. a short man. Pretty messed um, up, Garrett. <laughs> never even thought about till today how hilarious it is to for the news to have an angle like a Dutch angle from the ground. It's really funny in the movie too. It's pretty good. Yeah, when they film her addressing the camera and the angle is directly up at her face. <laughs> that, that whole scene is really great. That's how Michael Bay shoots all his action scenes. When the, when the cop is getting out of the car and he's at that low pivoting angle, it's just a little person running around. <laughs> Do you know? So Kevin McCarthy is the guy that plays R.J. Fletcher. Mm-hmm. And something I saw related, uh, they somebody drew an illusion between how uh, Kevin McCarthy McCarthy resembles Leslie Nielsen, and they were both approaching points in their careers where they had played super serious roles and flipped on to doing um, satirical roles because Nielsen moved into the roles of like Lethal Weapon, Spy Hard. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what Kevin McCarthy is such a prototypical looking villain the way he plays his character in the film. It's ridiculous. Also, that he does look... he Like, when you watch it now, you can definitely see maybe they did want Le- Leslie Nielsen in this film. <laughs> that would have been crazy. Well, that would be pretty good. I, lo- I love one of the... This just popped in my head. One of the lines that they use to establish that this is the bad guy of the film is um, when uh, um, Finkelstein... His uh, receptionist at U fifty two, U sixty two, geez, calls him and says, "She's like, um, she's talking about how unprofessional his guys are because they said broad shouldn't be on television." And his response yeah. is, "Oh, I'm so sorry about that. I'll I'll talk to the guys. I told them never to call chicks broads." And Dude. I, it was it was so weird. Like, I'm sorry. I think I just interrupted you. But now that I'm talking, I'm going to keep talking. And I'll let you get back. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, uh, I, the day before I saw that movie in theaters, I was having an argument with one of my, uh, I would say, overly woke friends. He would mm-hmm. say safely woke friends. Uh, like, like, just making everything a PC issue, regardless of joke or intention. And I used the word chicks to describe some younger women I've been hanging out with. And he was like, come on, that's so like derogatory or whatever. And I was like, 
dude, it's just the female equivalent of dude. I just called you dude. And then we both go see UHF the next day. And, and, and then the embodiment of evil within the universe of this movie, RJ Fletcher, like spells out that it is bad to call women chicks. And that, I was like, wow. How'd that make you feel? I am, I am the wrong one here. <laughs> Pretty good. You learned your lesson, huh? <laughs> yep. I just, uh-huh. I was saying though, was I'm glad that they, because I've, I've gone to bat for Al. Uh, in the past when it came to things we were talking about things like uh, girls just want to have lunch or she drives like crazy and how I don't think that it's necessarily a slam on women in general more just the one subject of that song being a person or a really abstract concept like in girls just want to have lunch Uh, and so I I love that they you know solidified their villains evilness by having him you know disrespect women I thought that was a good touch yeah, this, uh, I mean, I don't know if you want to get into it now or later, but I, I, I don't know. I'm curious how you expand on something you said earlier, uh, uh, Garrett, because I will go to bat for how woke and progressive this movie is. I would argue there is nothing that is dated or doesn't work in this movie. Even the one very obvious thing that we alluded to as soon as the podcast started of the uh, of the Asian accent, mm-hmm. it is not like the end, the, the supplies joke, great joke in the movie. It is not like the end of A Christmas Story where the entire joke is, LOL, Asians can't say la sounds. They're going fra ra 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 ra. They're in a supply closet. It's a pun, supplies. Like, maybe there's, like, a gray area of edginess to that, but I would say that is the only, like, non-woke, non-forward-thinking, like, argument to be made about this movie. Like, he gives the woman who was uh, doomed as a secretary the job she wanted. He employs uh, uh, little people and black people as his cameramen, like minorities. He gives the down-on-his-luck blue-collar janitor worker like a job working with everyone else who are, are more like-minded and have, a, have a, 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 a similar like goal in mind. This, mm-hmm. this movie is like, and plus with the RJ Fletcher chicks broads line and, and just how George knows he's in the wrong when uh, Terry is angry at him. It never vilifies the girlfriend for breaking up with the boyfriend or anything like that. This movie is, incredible when compared to other movies that came out after that in, in spending the test of time. Like I watched Wayne's world today and like there are jokes that don't work just because of plain references. UHF works like with its references, even if you've never seen Conan, the barbarian Conan, the librarian is hilarious on mm-hmm. its own. It's just ridiculous. But, uh, you know, Wayne and Garth are doing the Laverne and Shirley intro, and my friend Paige, who's 22, is like, what's Laverne and Shirley? Why is this funny? Like, he had never seen Terminator 2, so a joke was lost in Wayne's World over that. But I, I would say, like, there, there were some some jokes about Danis in Wayne's World and other movies I've seen from after that point, uh, a sort of homophobia. And, and, you know, Al has never stepped close, close at all to any of these, like, 
uh, topics that are are sort of edgy or where you feel like you got to walk on eggshells these days. Mm-hmm. All of this, all of this humor is like cut and dry mathematical. You can see the setup punchline, explain why it works, and and I, I am just in awe every time I see this movie. How I don't see a problem with it politically or otherwise. Yeah. Well, it may not be politic. It may not be as politically charged, but there's a lot of um, Easter eggs and film reference in this movie that is going to start going out the window because a lot of people are going to stop recognize. Like you said, the Conan the Barbarian reference. If there is a lot in this movie that is going to start going over people's heads when you see references to Raiders. Uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. You mean just because of time? Yeah, because as time goes on, there's a lot of stuff in this movie that's going to just be... Like, you'll watch it and be like, what was that? Yeah. And it's going to be... a you're, it's The joke of it is that it's a reference to another movie that you would have had to have seen or been aware of to get the joke. I, I had not seen Raiders of the Lost Ark when I first started watching this movie, but the tone and ambiance set by the first few minutes before the first joke just makes it seem like he's just an explorer in the jungle. That's all you need to know. Like it is, I guess, funnier. And it is much if funnier. You, if you know, if you from Raiders. Yeah. But I think those jokes still work. The guy with the train, the, the, it's supposed to be like this ancient archeology. span And it's just like a, 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 a demon, like doing the ah, face with its tongue out. Like that is not context <laughs> that is provided by Harrison Ford and Steven Spielberg. That is just, silliness and and al used a setting for people who are already into it but like i said the guy i watched it with earlier had never seen raiders of the lost ark or post encounters with the third kind and those parts made him laugh like i i I, there's a degree of thinking it through to make his art timeless that i think al is just a little ahead of the curve on uh, uh than everyone else in comedy at any point in time I'm sorry, and I'm also doing the thing Dakota was being very defensive about earlier, where, where he's very really, I'll go up to bathroom about anything. I know I do this a lot. I, I am aware I'm doing the exact same, same thing. I I will relentlessly defend Weird Al, uh, no matter what good points anyone brings up, and I am aware I have that problem. So let me just voice that outright. <laughs> no, that's, I think it's fine, because even though no one, nobody important anyway, I know some people have tried uh, to to try to point fingers but not in the major way that happens you know all the time with uh after what happened with like me too movement and stuff like that nothing really big ever came of that with weird al because there's you know there's nothing there but no one ever majorly tried to point fingers at him but if it ever did come up we've laid the groundwork and we've already done you know we've already done the work for everyone say here is your yeah you're you're drawing something out of context or know you're wrong about so-and-so issue. So now we're just, you know, we're already prepared. <laughs> if it ever this does movie's harm. This movie's harmless. Yeah. And all of Weird Al's career is harmless. Yeah. I mean, 100%. What was the other thing? There's It, it got a PG-13 rating, I know, because of the Emo Phillips scene, which is probably the most iconic scene to me in my memory for some reason. Um, there was that and like one other thing that they were like, we will not give this a PG rating unless you take those out. And Al was like, no, uh, that's worth it. These jokes are good enough. I'll leave them in. Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. So you've, you've actually heard that there was two reasons why? 
Yeah, this is this is knowledge from like 15 years ago. There were two things. I know one of them was the blood and the uh, shop teacher scene, but I cannot think of what the other one was. Hmm, that's interesting. I, I mean, I mean, in in modern times, it would all of the gunplay and the Rambo bit at the end would be would be a factor in that, but nobody oh, gave a crap about that at you, the time. You don't think it's the exploding people during that Rambo scene, is it? Maybe. I mean, I think, feel like that's done pretty cartoonishly, but it's graphic I, though. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I brought up the parents' guide on it, which I mean is you sure. know more current obviously but maybe one of these will help steer you in the right direction so you remember um under sex and nudity there are two instances and this is you know what this is a good service we're providing right now if you're listening to this and you haven't yet shown your kids uhf let us (laughs) let us be your your moderator this is what you can expect in the classic 1989 comedy film uhf uh there are two instances of sex and nudity according to this there's a brief moment where elderly woman (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I forgot about this scene, and reading it is so much fun. It's so funny to me. <laughs> There's a brief moment where an elder elderly woman is asked her opinion on sex with furniture. It's <laughs> 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 funny because he's standing in the audience, a la Jerry Springer once again. He's got a studio audience there. And he says, coming up, sex with furniture. What's your opinion? And he just shoves the mic in an old lady's face. <laughs> and there's also... Uh, there is also a prostitute briefly shown. Yeah. What scene is that? There is a... It's in that same scene. That's a prostitute in the, on the stage. I thought that was just a punk girl. I mean, she had like a spike necklace on. No, she's a prostitute next to the, the KKK character. Oh, all right. Under violence and gore, we have three. Uh, the sure. thumb scene, the whole thumb scene. Uh, oh, no, they, they really... They go farther... A thumb is severed by a table saw with copious amounts of cartoon blood. That's why the UHF got a PG-13 rating. It says that right here. Fist fights, numerous gunfights, bodies non-graphically exploding after being hit by arrows or bullets. That's fun. (laughs) Getting hit by an arrow and explode. (laughs) A staple gun being fired on a person's face. Maybe that's it, Ken? Maybe. A person comically cleaved in half by a sword. Ah. Karate players falling through windows, a body flattened by a giant rock. Uh, it goes on to say a man backs out of a cave entrance is com- comically knocked over by a train. Knocked over. <laughs> I think I think if you're able to say comically, it should not count right. as violence or gore. Oh, this might be it. I, although this seems like it'd be more of an issue nowadays than it would back then. Dogs are quote taught how to fly by being thrown out of a window. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was the other thing. That was the other thing. Animal nice. abuse. Yeah, that uh, that leads into my comment where I was I was going to point out that Crazy Ernie does threaten to club a seal. Well, but he says he's crazy, so I think that's that negates it. <laughs> <laughs> they did preface it. He doesn't say, I'm completely sane Ernie. <laughs> crazy Ernie, why do you have all these cars? Yeah, I think it was the shot of the poodle pile at the bottom of the apartment building. <laughs> but sure, they do go good. that far. Yeah, it's too good. You it, can't well, take that out. It does put a nice um, period on that joke, though. <laughs> I will. Uh, I will turn this discussion a little sour because or dour. Hold dour? on, can I? Because I want to read the rest of the parents' guide. I'm having fun with it. Oh, I thought you were over. Go no, ahead. under profanity, we have two instances, or two. There's two line items here. 
And this is wait, wait. Can we guess them? Can we guess them? Hold on. It's not just two instances. It's uh, there's a sentence about what words may be used that are cuss words, and also the second one is about name calling. So try to guess any of that. Well, the name calling we got the broad thing. I don't know. Um, the cursing, I I can't I can't pull it right now. He he does call a child a little weasel during uh, when he starts to get um, <laughs> upset about losing the station. And then he said, "Allowed if, if either of your children were really annoying, I don't think you guys would care if I called them little weasel." <laughs> Not before I do. Um, weasel is also kind of a trope for Al, if you think about it. True. Um, it yeah. says, <clears throat> one use of God as a swear word, four instances of hell, one of butt, two of sucks, and 14 minced oaths, cleaned up versions of curses like gosh or God. <laughs> okay. So that's, sure. that's a fun And the second one says, also a great deal of name calling, such as idiot, moron, scuzzbag, stupid, slimeball, you little weasel, etc. Hilarious. And then the last thing, uh, alcohol, drugs, and smoking. George and Bob visit a bar. Uncle Harvey is always seen with a cigar. And frightening and intense scenes, Stanley is held at gunpoint by a bunch of thugs. So there you go. As far as parents' guides go, pretty good. Yep. Yeah. They had to, like, really stretch to find some of those things. Like, if you don't want your kid to hear the word moron, not for you. (laughs) That kid will grow up great. He'll never help. You, you shield a kid of the word moron for 18 years, I'm sure he'll do great in society when people start calling him that. Yeah. This actually might great be a idea. good thing to show your kids so that they're ready for all the moron callers out there. Oh, uh, I mean, you show a kid UHF and if they're familiar with the news at all, they'll just be like, oh, that guy looks familiar. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what were you going to do, Garrett, that's going to... Uh, dour the the spirits around here. I was just going to point out that during the filming of the movie, Raul uh, died because uh, he got hit by a drunk driver, and he was that character was supposed to be at the telethon at the end of the movie, but they couldn't. It was too upsetting on set to do to put a a double mm-hmm. in the end scene, so they just left in his shots where he does that. Uh, Raul's animal farm, wild Raul's wild kingdom, mm-hmm. and so that was all we got. And the movie is actually dedicated to that actor, Trinidad Silva. Really? Yeah, very sad. That is sad. Hey, when I listen through the credits, because that theme song is a banger. Um, yeah, Al. That is the reason Al turned down appearing in like beer commercials for like thirty million dollars in like nineteen ninety two or something like that. Whoa, that makes a lot of sense now. Well, that's cool. And, and I have to imagine if in, a, in an alternate reality where he wasn't killed and maybe, say, the woodshop scene isn't in the movie, I would bet Al would be willing to take the poodle scene out for the PG rating. But it was one of the only two scenes they shot with, with I, I forget the guy's name, uh, but... Uh, uh, like he probably was just like, no, we got to honor this guy's memory. He wasn't a huge actor, but he did genius work in these two scenes. We got to keep him in the movie. And I bet that was worth the PG 13 rating alone to him. I would have to imagine. Yeah. Did, uh, did you guys catch Demento's, uh, cameo in the movie? I did. I did. I, I've forgotten about that for years. And I thought today, 
It's very brief. Which cameo? Dr. Demento. Oh, yeah. I thought you said the Mentos, like the, the mint. <laughs> I was like, was there... <laughs> Did I miss an advertisement? Is there a, jo- is there a joke? Yeah, there was a, there was a whole scene where George was throwing Mentos into Bob's mouth, and he had, yeah. and he happened to have a mouthful of Diet Coke, so every time he did it, it would just gush out. <laughs> <laughs> that would be an amazing joke to be catching Mentos, and then without thinking about it, Bob just takes a drink of Coke, and it all just explodes out of his mouth. <laughs> That would be a great joke. <laughs> Put that in your movie. <laughs> Done. Uh, um, go ahead, Gary. That's UHF the sequel. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole thing. <laughs> oh, oh my god, I just figured it out. You know what the sequel's called? YouTube HF. YouTube HF. <laughs> oh, that's good. If 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 UHF if a UHF station is the is the um because the the major station is a big network station, and so the UHF was inferior to that because it was just like on a on a on a lower bandwidth or what I don't I don't know the terminology. Um, what what is the lower kind of demeaning version of internet videos compared to YouTube? Like what's its lesser than? The analog Vine. or that? Yeah. Okay. Vine. Talk, Vine. Vine. <laughs> oh, that so much so that it's not even around anymore. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, another one of my favorite characters in this movie is Philo, that the scientist. Yeah. I really love how weird and out there he is and how much of a, another, it's another one of Al's tropes, right, with his science songs, like from outer space, especially with the very end. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that when he, di- he basically has this sort of um, large Marge moment and his face transforms into the alien and then he just disappears. <laughs> Well, that is the base, basis for my insane theory that Dakota was trepidatious about inviting me on this podcast about. So I can either get into that now or later. You can, but first I want to say Philo has one of the more underrated lines in the movie, and that's he's he's doing his show and he says, today we will be learning how to make uranium from household items. <laughs> plutonium. <laughs> oh, plutonium. Thank you. I knew it was a, an element of some sort. <laughs> All right, Ken, we've been building up to it. I want to hear it. Okay. UHF absolutely is a comedy. But. They're very good. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. Let's hear it for Ken. <laughs> UHF is, is so brave. I cannot believe how brave you are to say that UHF is a comedy. Uh, yo, you bring me on for my hot takes, and I, I deliver. <laughs> the hottest. Um, okay. UHF absolutely is a comedy when you watch it. But mm-hmm. let's look at it on paper, all the elements that are made sure to be shown to us. Ever since I saw it, in, so, so all my life I sort of saw it as the same thing. I felt like I was watching the same movie over and over. But when I went to that movie party thing and watched it in the theater, after what I've experienced the last few years of my life, I saw it sort of in this whole new light. I see UHF as sort of a sci-fi movie. Sure. R.J. Um, Fletcher played by Kevin McCarthy, I, I feel might be pretty purposeful. Of course, he would have loved to have Leslie Nielsen in that role. I think he would have been great. But, you know, Kevin McCarthy is most known for the, uh, I think it's 1956 uh, version of uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, one of the most iconic sci-fi movies of all time. Um, and the 
the that Philo becomes an alien at the end after he says, "My work here is done." Tons of old uh, sci-fi, a lot of Twilight Zones, a lot of a lot of like the classic sci-fi is based on the idea that aliens would come here to better our society, to make us better people that they saw from afar telescopically, that we were not looking out for each other and making the wrong decisions. And R.J. Fletcher represents this capitalistic evil, the one who's got to be on top and take down the rest of the town, doesn't care about the community. He literally says this community is to me like a western bull of dog snot, uh, or, or whatever he says. And That's it. Uh, you got it. The, the, the community is everyone. So aliens are seeing everyone, and they're like, why are we letting this bully take over, like control everyone? And so these aliens send Philo. Philo has, has been in, maybe not in control, but, but sort of like nudging things to get towards a particular outcome. And he doesn't know how to get there, but he has represented historically in the timeline of this reality that basically, you know, a lot of the argument against communism or socialism is that it hasn't worked before, but, you know, Edison tried a thousand times before making the light bulb correct or whatever. The idea of socialism and communism is that everybody's equal, everybody gets along, everyone looks out for each other, and nobody's better than anyone else. And and people say it doesn't work on paper, but like you got to keep trying. So he doesn't know how to make it work in this society, but he, he was able to historically represent the idea that a community came together to own their joy as one in order to stop destruction of that joy. That is that is what like essentially the climax of the movie is. Is everybody owns something together to get rid of the, the, the Trump character. He is the Trump character. Whether he was thinking about Trump at the time, it's also totally possible he was thinking about Trump at the time because he was still a famous guy that everybody saw as this sort of like um, loud a non-caring jerk. Um, and, and and so Philo, you know, he puts the camera in his office. He sees where where the, the cancer's growing in this community, mm-hmm. and he helps the community out. At the end, he literally says to George, well, it seems my work here is done. I'm going to go return to my home planet. And Al just thinks that it's ridiculous because he's always been a weird guy. Uh, but, you know, he we are shown... Yes, it's ridiculous, but we are shown that he turns into an alien and leaves. This is a sci-fi story about the universe bettering itself by looking out for one another, insularly on the planet Earth and on the grander scale of the entire state of being that we exist in within this solar system. I see Philo as the crux of the movie, the guy that changes everything. In, In my world... In my mind, the history after this movie is that people saw that working together worked for the first time in history. They hadn't figured out how to make it work through silly TV shows and being ridiculous with janitors and not worshiping celebrities, but just worshiping the common man, treating us all like we are deserving of love. And, and to me, that's the sci-fi genius of what UHF is actually about. Very good. Do you know what Philo means? What? 
It's the Greek root word for love. Oh my God! Well, like bibliophile or audiophile, or uh, uh, philosophy is like the love of knowledge or something like that. So philo or file is love in Greek. <laughs> of course, and and that's that's that makes so much sense to me. Al is too smart and meticulous about everything he does mm-hmm. for me to not think that a degree of this was intentional. His his final statement in in. In audio form, his last album, Mandatory Fun, yes, that's a play on him getting out of his record contract, but his, like, basically his big statement from his record career with them ends in imagery of him promoting communism. Like, there is a degree of equality that he is looking out for in the most subtle way possible, and I respect him so much for it. He is not a, a Colbert or a Bill O'Reilly where he's shoving his views down our face, but he is representing ma- like almost mathematically like where he stands and how he thinks should, thinks should be. And I can't believe I never caught on to Philo meaning love. Obviously love <laughs> the thing that brings being into more being. Yeah. I'm sorry. You invited a stoner on your show. That's what you're going to get you guys. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's pretty good. I like it. Actually, that, I lied. I invited myself on the show. <laughs> that is, I wasn't going to correct <laughs> you, but it is true. <laughs> well, we have an open door policy for about six people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 it really means a lot that you let me get that that sort of uh, uh, my take on it out there yeah. on record somewhere. Um, yep. because it, it really blew my mind and it fell in line with the genius that I always saw him to be right. in his art. So, Does anybody yeah. have any other final thoughts on UHF? I think UHF is a very special movie yeah. that it holds a pretty special place in my heart with my adoration of Weird Al, you know, with the music and this, it, it, I wish this movie could have had more of its moment in the sun, but it just kind of didn't get its chance to have its moment with all those other blockbusters. But nowadays it has been relegated to a, a cult classic and that's it's people like us that are going to keep this movie alive. If like us showing it to people talking about it and it's brilliance. Right. Yeah. I, I, I had gotten this, uh, not argument, but debate earlier about why Grammys or Oscars or anything matters, because doesn't time tell what really matters? My friends were watching Scarface earlier, and I was like, you know, this got terrible reviews when it came out. Nobody liked it. And they're like, what? But it's so loved. And it's like, exactly. It didn't have to win Oscars. Like, I think, when was the last time you guys were like, man, I need to watch Honey, I Shrunk the Kid. I can't wait to do a podcast about The Last Crusade. Like, <laughs> there, there's, a, time will tell. It, it is the true test of all things. And maybe, like, the fact that it didn't have a big boom in the beginning is what's allowed it to sort of gain fans as time goes on. My friend Paige, who rewatched it earlier, is 23. My roommate Alex was here for half of it, watched half of it. He had never seen it, never really even cared for Weird Al, and he was dying. He just turned 21 the other day. So, like, 
this movie is refreshable with time. It's it's timeless. It, I think it deserves to be shown and seen, and and it deserves all the love it gets. I, it's yeah. one of my favorite out. As much as I love him as a musician, and I'll talk on any episode about how much I love that, this is one of my favorite things he's ever done as an artist. And it, it's so good to me that it makes it okay that we only have one movie from him, at All least right. for now. Well, I mean, you said it yourself. You went and watched it at the Alamo Draft House, And it's things like that that recognize it and take it seriously to the point where it's they're going to take it and put it in front of audiences because it is unique in its own way, and it has an audience, and it deserves to be shown to new people as well. And it was packed. Yeah. We all applauded at the end of Stanley's mop speech. We all shouted, stupid, you're so stupid, together, at least the people who knew the movie. You know... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the people who didn't know are probably really confused. <laughs> there, there, There's something that I can kind of relate this to. Recently, I've developed a, a fascination with the movie um, The Rocky Horror Picture Show, and it's not anything outside of like I don't I wouldn't tell you it's an amazing movie, but what I will say it is genuinely something that is the product of somebody being it it, it like their own self, like putting everything they have into a film, and it only being made better for its casting. And the thing about UHF is its uniqueness. Like there's. I can't think of anything else that UHF is like because it is just so much of Weird Al and everything he lives in his music. Mm-hmm. And 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 the reason I bring up Rocky Horror is because that's a movie that is going to be around until the end of time. Like that movie is going to get theatrical um, participation, like almost forever. nightly somewhere in the world. Yeah, New York, it gets shown. I'm pretty sure every night. Amazing. Yeah, you're inherently right in everything you just said while ago, Ken. But um, now I can't wait to start a podcast about the Last Crusade called the Cast Crusade. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I've been thinking about for the past minute and a half. <laughs> Man, every single week I will be Indiana Jonesing for that next episode. Oh, no. <laughs> Man, um, that's good. Uh, I did want to draw one last thing about this movie to. Uh, everyone's attention um to kind of end it on a funny note there's this i was doing what little research i could before we jumped on here tonight and there was this there's this thing you can see on youtube and it's it says in the description that it's an hbo behind the scenes special but it's less than 10 minutes long and it seems like it's cut from a greater hole i don't know what the rest of this thing was about i'd like to see the whole thing but i didn't really have time but it's basically them doing like a mock behind the scenes thing where they talk to some of the actors uh, and ask what's it like working with Al and what did you do, blah, blah, blah. And it's really short. And so there's like a scene where Al's like on the wheel of fish thing. He's giving the fish away to the kids who are on the set. And he's like, Oh, what's your, what's your name? And he's like, my name's Tim. And he's like, thank you so much. And you know, I don't like anybody to leave the, the set empty handed. So here is a whole fish and he hands this kid a raw fish. <laughs> but there's another thing that's much much weirder and it's when they're yeah the, there's a scene where they're interviewing Victoria Jackson and they ask her what's it like working with Weird Al and she does the typical like he's actually she kind of says that he's very sweet and the first time she saw him she looked in his eyes and was like this is a really sweet man he had warm eyes and stuff like that so it was a kind of a non-joke answer at first and then she got to, I, don't, I don't remember how she got into it but she sort of mentioned how uh, um, 
he must have had his heart broken at some point um, or something like that to, to do this whole girlfriend-boyfriend scene with her. And she said, I guess he was because he did write that one song that was really gory. And she goes on to kind of sing-songingly say a line from One More Minute, except she says, and I'm going to try to quote this as accurately as I can. This is what she says. She says, I'm going to stick razor blades in my eyes until they just bleed, then spend one more minute with you. I was like, that is not in the song at all. <laughs> She's basically making up her own lyrics over here. So I'll drop that in right here because it's just amazing. When I first met him, I looked in his eyes and I just melted. They were so gentle and everything. He's really happy all the time. No one's ever broke his heart. Maybe they have. And he wrote that great classic song. I'd rather stick razor blades in my eyeballs till the blood squirts out than spend just one more minute with you. I think it's such an honor to be the girl of Weird Al's dreams. We, we we all we all know that they were dating at that point, right? Like IRL Weird Al and Victoria Jackson. Were they? Yeah. Oh they wow, I didn't know that. That is why he had her number at SNL to call her there to get a hold of Kurt Cobain to do "Smells Like Nirvana." Unbelievable. Wow. Do you know? Do you know who else was uh, who auditioned for that role? No, Courtney Ellen Cox. DeGeneres. Oh, oh wow! And uh, Jennifer Tilly, less uh, I would say less less known. Oh, but, um, yeah. I mean, and we got to say, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. Scandal noted, whatever it is, controversy noted. But I think Michael Richards, uh, at least in my heart, deserves an Oscar for this performance. One of the greatest physical comedic performances of all time. The moment at his introduction scene where he thinks he's already walked out the door and he he ends up in the same room in RJ's office mm-hmm. is just the funniest thing I've ever seen. I, laugh, he I is, still laugh so much to this day. He is fantastic in this movie. I, I do love him as Spadowski. Yeah. Well, I, feel, I feel like we all learned a lot here, you guys. We all, we all went down roads that we didn't expect. And that's the magic of Al, 30 years later. He's Magic Al. <laughs> oh, my God. Magic Al Yankovic. Where are the quotations? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm proud. <laughs> um, Ken, let's tell us quickly about what you've got going on. Oh, you're on here. Let's let's plug your stuff. Let's plug your stuff up. <laughs> okay. Um <laughs> Unfortunately for you listeners, I don't have a podcast anymore for you to tune in and hear this nonsense on. But a long time ago, ago, I did a podcast with my friend Patrick Miller called Welcome to Paradise. And we talked about Green Day every episode, sort of like the way you guys do about Weird Al. We're just two idiot comedians being funny. And uh, then Trump got elected and we were like, why are we talking about music when we both make music? And uh, ever since then, we stopped doing the podcast and started doing a band. We're in the Alex Jonestown Massacre. Uh, we have three releases, uh, an EP, an album, and a single, and uh, we're about to demo our 13-track new album right now. Our three releases, you can find them on everything, YouTube, iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify, blah, 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 Bandcamp, if you want to get us money outside of the streaming thing. Um, the EP is uh, What We Do Is Stupid, and Al fans will appreciate this. That's a parody of uh, The Germs, What We Do Is Secret. 
and uh, our, our our album is Fear of a Flat Planet, which is a parody of Fear of a Black Planet, Public Enemy. And our single is Candy Apple Island, which is a parody of, uh, 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 not direct parody, just like title parody of Oscar uh, um, Deuce, Candy Apple Bray. And it's also a Simpsons reference in there for you guys. And so so we've, we've had three three comedy title parody title releases previously and we're 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 thinking we're going to name our next one an original title after one of the songs on our album called run on death sentence but here's my (laughs) idea and i I know at least half the band likes this uh is it's called run on death sentence it's an original title after three parody titles but the uh, you heard me rant earlier about like anarchy and, and communism and, and socialism. I'm sorry, I cursed. I didn't mean to. Um, uh, socialism, communism—that's our whole message thing. But we sing about about a lot of that stuff. It's punk rock music, rock and roll. Um, and uh, uh, we want to to make the next one uh, running with scissors parody cover, even though it's an original title. But instead of scissors. Alice holding AK forty seven. Oh no! <laughs> that's that's the idea at the moment. It might not end up happening, but I thought that might be why it would be fun to say it right now, in case it doesn't end up happening on on historical record. That's a uh, that's an idea. And and we played Gathering of the Juggalos ICP Festival that last month. That was weird. Um, life's weird. Uh, uh, I, I I'm in the Alex Jonestown massacre. Please listen to our music. Please find us on tour. We play a lot around Virginia. Um, and look out for Run on Death Sentence. And I appreciate you guys. I'm also a hashtag influencer on Instagram. I really don't take Instagram seriously at all. So I do this character called the Kinfluencer, where I am an internet uh, influencer. Because, you know, there aren't enough millennials who have way too much confidence and no knowledge about anything telling people how they should live their life. So I decided to become another one. And you can find me on Instagram at hashtag Kinfluence. And get your influence on, get influence in your life, and uh, I'll be there for you. There you I, I really appreciate you guys having me on the podcast again. Yep, look up uh, uh, Alex Jonestown Massacre in case you didn't catch the title of the band. Uh, look them up and and listen to their music. Um, you've already given up, yeah, given out your Instagram. It's Kinfluencer. That's K E N N Fluencer. Um, hashtag Kinfluencer. Hashtag yeah. Kinfluencer because that's not your actual channel name or whatever that's that's the thing you're trending i don't know how social media works <laughs> no, no no you you no you type out h-a-s-h you at hashtag ken oh, with two ends i'm sorry you guys it's all it's all a gag everything i do is a gag it's too complicated i have to explain every joke i'll kill myself <laughs> never mind i i mean i would get one of you guys to kill me but i probably owe you one of you five bucks for some reason <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Garrett, as far as me and you are concerned, um, once I return to town and get settled back into my life, uh, we're going to delve into, um, off the deep end. It's finally time to get into 90s Weird Al. Are you excited about that? We are turning a corner. We are turning a wow. corner. The one where the After fudge After this made. episode, I feel like we're already off the deep end. Oh, no. He said it. Am I right, ladies? <laughs> um... Anyway, go go follow us on Twitter. It's at TalkingLTU. Tell us what you thought about the movie UHF. Uh, do you think we gave it a proper shakedown? Is it, Like I said, it's a little bit of a different episode. Uh, do you think it stands the test of time and it holds up nowadays like we think that it does? Um, 
Look forward to those future episodes coming out. Follow us over there. Uh, I think that's all the things I want to say. Uh, thanks, Ken, for coming on here, for demanding that you be part of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thanks to our I, listeners. I appreciate you guys. You're, you're two of my favorite people. This is one of my favorite podcasts. I, I, I hope we stay in touch and do this as long uh, as long as you guys do it, but with periodic enough breaks that you still maintain an audience and I don't kick them off. That's a good way to put it. Uh, thanks, yeah. thanks, Garrett. Uh, no problem. <laughs> consistent. Uh, and to our listeners, thank you for everything you do. Go out there and have a good evening. And you know, you already know, unless like you're one of those people, like I said at the beginning, you're new to this show, in which case you will find out right this second. Like I say every every single time, get out there and dare to be stupid. I forgot I was in a hotel for a second, so I'm probably going to get a knock on my door. Bye. Me Talking Weird Out to You is a podcast on the Weird Mountain Network. Find it on weirdmountainpodcast.com or on Twitter at TalkingAlToYou. The hosts are Dakota Rimmer and Garrett Hale, and they can be found on Twitter at the underscore rumorverse and at GarrettHale89, respectively. If you'd like to talk to us about this show or any of the other ones on this network, find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash weirdmountainpodcast. Consider leaving us a review on iTunes, because the world needs more good things.